Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Julieta Televi, and joining me to take your questions this evening are Derek Janser from Rensburg from Anchor and Nick Kunza from Sunlam Private Wealth. If you'd like to send questions to us, please SMS 41392, email us at stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Um, Nick, uh, Derek, good evening to you both. Nick, nice to see you in studio. Nice to have you in studio. Mm. If, so I'm going to start with you. Okay. Um, not a not a great day for the markets today. A um, couple of shares came under particular pressure, sort of more small cap stocks. But everyone seems to be a little bit more fearful this week about mm. what's going to happen with interest rate increases. And the suggestion from some commentators is that we've been fooling ourselves into thinking inflation is not a problem. It's coming down. Uh, the central banks are going to be more dovish. Is mm. that what was behind the market well, coming off of Well, it. I was hoping we'd start this year not talking about <laughs> inflation and central banks, but it is going to be the theme for a while. And especially, as you said, this week, we've got uh, uh, ECB, the Fed, obviously the big one, uh, and Bank of England as well, also talking. So it's going to be, inflation is the main topic. Um, yes, I think the market's maybe run a little bit ahead of itself. I think these central banks, if we remind ourselves that uh, 2% target on inflation for the Fed and the ECB, and uh, inflation is north of 7%. So there's a long way still to come. So I think that the, the play is, is this going to be the last one like, like Mr. Kanyagi did last week? You know, are we going to get a, is the Fed going to maybe do 50 basis points or 25 and then pause and then risk assets or back? I don't know. I think they, my personal view is I think they want to prove a point. They were completely wrong coming in and they're probably going to be wrong going out, but I think they want to prove a point. Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be about inflation and, and, and risk assets. Um, Derek, um, from your perspective, the, um, the rally that we've enjoyed um, since, uh, well, in, uh, on international markets since October, certainly in JC since the start of the year, do you think it's inevitable that we take a bit of a breather now? Yeah, absolutely. I think if you just go back and just look at the start of 2022 and just think about what led us into, let's just call it the market recession that we've had at the moment, it was very much driven by China. Uh, what's played out in the last three months is that China's started to lead us out of this very sort of market-related recession. I think what's played out in between all of that is a very resilient earnings profile if you just look at some of that uh, some of those US earnings coming out at the moment so a very resilient US earnings profile um, that's helped mitigate uh, a lot of the pain in in the last three months and things have started to pick up I think it is going to be a little bit of a tango between do do interest rates start to plateau and I think Nick is quite right in terms of uh, you know there's a point to prove here so I think things could go a little bit further than what we think um, but probably towards the latter end of this year we'd like to see uh, the effects of this high interest rate environment uh, you know starting to come through in, in lower inflation numbers so I'm hoping for that but uh, the big question is where do we plateau I think it's quite close um, but yeah, the market seems to be pricing in, in, in a bit of a plateauing environment from an interest rate perspective. Yeah, okay. Well, um, so let us move from the unknowables to um, actual shares. Um, and I'm, I, well, I'm not sure if this isn't, isn't an unknowable, but the situation going down at NAMPAC, and there's a couple mm. of questions uh, on uh, the show this evening. The one viewer says, NAMPAC share price has been hammered for some time now. Well, actually, it had rallied, and it's just now latterly uh, fallen. It's now on 98 cents a share with the rights issue also still to come. It might knock the share price even further. What's the view of the panel? Is it a buy at these levels, although there is a margin of risk attached to it? Um, and if I can bring up the other question that came from a viewer, um, 
yeah, is one rand or 98 cents is at the bottom or could it drop further? Nick, um, NAMPAC came out with a very comprehensive statement today and then saying that their rights offer would be no more than one and a half billion rand, but I suppose it means it could be one and a half billion rand. So what was it in particular that spooked the market? Well, I think initially what spooked the market was was supposed to be two billion. So I guess one and a half is, is, <laughs> is half a bill better than two. But in a market cap which is under a billion, I'm not sure, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's 750, 800, somewhere around there. I mean, this is a lot of money they have to raise. Very diluted for shareholders. They have to raise the money. There's just too much debt. Uh, the business itself is actually not a bad business. Uh, but classic scenario, got caught up in too much debt, borrowed too much money in a rising interest rate environment is not a good recipe. But overall, it's a, it, it is, the business is okay. Whether it stands out and, and survives this, I don't know, but very diluted for existing shareholders. I feel sorry for shareholders. Yeah. Um, Derek, uh, th the question of whether or not NAMPAC shares at 98 cents, if this is as low as it goes, because, okay, so the chart that we've used up on screen there shows, um, uh, it's, it's a fairly longer term historical chart of NAMPAC. It doesn't show the trading action maybe the last couple of months. Um, where there actually was quite a big rally up to about what, 130, 132 mm. cents? Um, wh wh um, do you think it, um, this is now maybe the, the landing price for the share? Um, this is where they will be able to raise money from the market, or do you think there's worse to come? I, I think you've got to wait a little bit, to be honest. Um, my sort of gut tells me that it's a speculative buy at the moment, or a high risk buy, and you can take a bit of a swing at it. <coughs> but you've got to be very careful. I mean, obviously, they got caught in the sort of whirlwind of higher interest rates and too much debt on balance sheet. Where to from here? Well, you now need to rely on organic earnings. And I think just given the sort of backdrop of the, call it the economic environment that we're in at the moment, you know, consumers being squeezed, costs being cut from all businesses at this point, just to try and enhance margins. It's a very difficult environment to try and navigate for any listed business. So I think that it comes with its risks. Uh, the fact that they can get the rights issue away and clean up some of the debt does sort of uh, give it a bit of a, a base, but one would probably need to analyze the next, next set of earnings and do some sort of fundamental analysis as to what the likelihood of those organic earnings are gonna look like and how much they are gonna grow looking forward six, 12 and even 18 months. Mm. So my, my sort of, uh, outset view is keep an eye on it. It's a high risk play. Um, if they can get it away and organic earnings come through, then it certainly should see higher share prices. But I'd like to just see another set or, or a few sets of financials to actually make a fundamental call on it. Mm. Yeah, I suppose if you're an Ampac shareholder, you're a bit stuck right now, right Nick? I mean, yeah, yeah, I agree with Derek. You know, it is a bit of a speculative play. But yeah, there is to a certain extent, if you're an Ampac shareholder, yes, you've been diluted. But your balance sheet is all of a sudden looking a little bit better, uh, being able to pay off some of that debt. But then the question is, you know, do they do they get themselves out of it and get the business back on track? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, maybe there's a little bit of a flaw around this one rand level. Okay. Then there's a question on um, Distel, uh, which, I mean, the the, mm. the merger talks, or the takeover talks, rather, from Heineken have been dragging on. I, there are still conditions outstanding. And the question is, uh, please could uh, the panel discuss the options available to shareholders in relation to the Heineken takeover of, of Distel? Um, Nick, staying with you, mm. um, and Derek, I'll go to you shortly. Um, certainly, th there's an option 
to have um, uh, to, to keep invested in Desal, which would give you an option on the, the unlisted. Well, it's unlisted, yeah. the unlisted mm. So you would stay in an unlisted entity. Mm. But some there are some punters out there who reckon this could be a very valuable entity in, in which to invest. Does it interest you at all? Uh, not particularly. Only f only from the fact that we had shareholders and clients that that had the shares for Iran Iran back in the day, so they they're happy with it. But I think the takeover is is it 178 somewhere 180 somewhere other time value of money. You're right. It has been dragging on for a while, but it's getting pretty close. Um, but th the question is, yes, you'll be left with shares in an unlisted Heineken entity because they are going to delist the still. Uh, but the in my so from my point of view, it, it's not one from our clients because there's just not liquidity. You can't sell them. So if you, if you hold them, great. But I don't know the small print, how do you get out of them if you wanted to? So is that too. Um, Derek, I suppose the other option is that you could um, buy shares in Remgrow. So Remgrow is going to keep a big stake in, in Distel. Um, and maybe, and if, you know, if you like the assets, that's, that's a way to to have exposure to them, but then you don't have the unlisted problem and you can still get out of them I if you should so choose. Is that something that you guys have considered? Yes, I think that's um, that's a very well-made point. I think that's probably that's probably the way to play it because even if you look at the basket of assets within that Remgro stable, they, you know, Remgro as a business is still trading at quite a decent discount to net asset value. I would think that Remgro over the next 18 months or so will look to unlock that value and obviously see that 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 sort of net asset value return back to shareholders. So at this kind of a discount, it does look quite interesting. Um, to be honest, I think if you're a distilled shareholder and the offer's on the table, I'm happy with the premium that Heineken are willing to take the shares at. So happy to move on from it, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I think if you are going to play it, Remgro is not a bad play because you get exposure to some of those other assets, which are obviously trading at deep, deep discounts to net asset value. I mean, are even if you worried that the deal doesn't go through, just given that how, lo how long it's now taking, because it's well over a year. Nick? Yes. <laughs> Pondering question. Yeah, but it, I mean, I think it, it, it's not, I think it's pretty much a done deal. I mean, I've, I haven't heard anything to the otherwise. Yes, it has been dragging on, but the share price is, is a reasonably good indicator and it's give or take five bucks away from the, from the takeover price. I, I think the mar this market's in South Africa fairly efficient. I think we'd know by the share price if it wasn't going to happen or not. But I think it's a, it's a done deal by looks of things. That's a nice way of putting it, fairly efficient. I'm being very polite. Yeah, yes. very polite. Um, yeah, but Derek, you said uh, yes to my um, uh, worry that the, that something might, um, that uh, I don't know, it might be scuppered. Um, yeah. Could you see that so, happening? So these, the, the, this, is, this is equity markets. You never know. There could be an unknown. I mean, the likelihood of the deal going through is a very high percentage. And as Nick says, I think, the market's always a good indicator, you know, given that time value of money as you start to approach those deadlines, um, you know, the discount to the actual price is an indicator that the deal is probably going to go through. But you never know. There's a lot of unknowns that could happen and there's some downside risk if it doesn't go through. So, you know, you've got to you've got to work it out. It's a bit like Alviva looking to delist, you know. Obviously, that share price sitting at 27.50, I think the takeout price about 28 rand quite close to the take-up price. I mean, the likelihood of the deal going through looks quite promising, mm -hmm. but there's always risk. You never know what happens. So a viewer asked us whether or not we could expect A, good results, and B, a good dividend from Sun International. Uh, Derek, what do you think? 
So there's a, there's a lot of positivity that's been priced into Sun International if you just look at the share price performance over the last eight months. Um, it, it was a stock that I was actually quite active in in sort of those lower 20 rand levels or mid 20 rand levels, and it's done quite nicely. Obviously, there's a bit of a reopening trade as we sort of uh, go back to normality post this whole COVID crisis that we've been through and a bit of pent-up demand from a spend perspective. So I think the casinos are doing very well. The hotels are doing very well. Um, obviously, we've just gone through a very active December period, which should translate into some decent earnings for Sun International. So I think just kind of looking forward the next month or two, I, I'm still positioned in it. I anticipate slightly higher prices towards that 40 Rand. Um, and I think there's a bit of a leveraged effect in terms of earnings. They've done exceptionally well to cut costs and to actually streamline this business. Any extra earnings pickup from here is going to give it a bit of a leveraged earnings effect. So I've got it. I'm holding it. I'm going to sit for the results, analyze thereafter. But I do do expect some decent cash flows to come through. Hmm. Nick, how about you? I mean, uh, the prices, you know, it's trended up very nicely. Yeah. Um, they and Soho, Soho uh, or Southern Sun rather, had, had a really good year in mm. 2022. I believe anecdotally from friends in Cape Town that it's rammed with very brown tourists who've all been suntanning themselves to a crisp. Or pink um, palms. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, which all bodes well for Sun International. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Sun International, uh, Sogosan you mentioned, uh, City Lodge, but like, stick with, with uh, Sun International, which we're looking at. Yeah, I think you know, it's had a decent bounce back, as Derek said. It's almost, uh, you know, it's almost doubled from its lows of, of the low 20s. But uh, reopening trade, uh, but understand the, the, the volumes, the, the foot traffic going through a pretty decent, almost back flights at pre-COVID levels. Uh, the RAND weaker where it is. I think it's a real push to get to, get, uh, to foreigners here. So I think the whole hospitality basket looks quite interesting, although I think the easy money has been made. Uh, I still think there's some to be made. Um, and as far as dividends are concerned, mm. Sun International did actually uh, declare a dividend. Yeah. What was it with the interim? With the, yeah, the interim results, um, uh, and which was the first time in six years. Yeah. So yeah. Um, free, know, cash, free cash flow was decent, and I think it's only going to get better. Yeah, so okay. look so out for a decent dividend. Could one hang mm. one's hat on that? Okay. Um, there's a quite a technical question that's come in um, on a share called Zarclear, which was sort of the offshoot from African Bank, I think their own mm. Stangen, if I'm correct. And, and there, there's all sorts of, there's a big row going on with Perisic and, and um, Warren Chapman. But the, the question is, uh, when Zarclear delisted a year uh, or so ago, I was sleeping and ended up holding unlisted Zarclear shares instead of taking the cash. How can I sell these shares now? Nick, uh, just if you find yourself with shares in an unlisted company and don't know what to do with them, mm. What, what do you do and who uh, do you talk to? So there's a number of options. I mean, South Africa does have a fairly active over-the-counter market, like the Americans call it the pink sheets. We also do have an over-the-counter market. Uh, a couple of systems out there that guys actually have quite decent systems. Uh, I mean, the, the, the first place I would go to is uh, would call the company myself. I'd speak to the company secretary. I'd speak to Invest Relations uh, and say, listen, I've got these shares because they do have sometimes they have the option of or have buyers out there and they can match you with a buyer and a seller. So it's a fairly seamless process. Um, obviously, it's not as transparent as you'd see a double on the screen like on the JSC or other exchanges we have here in South Africa now. Uh, but I'd start with the company and then I'd go to the company secretary and go to Invest Relations and, and see what you want to do. That's what I'd go for. Okay. Not too difficult. Okay. Well, then I shall move on uh, to Tungela. Um, Derek, there's a question from a fairly worried viewer who says, the coal price has come off quite a bit today. I'm holding lots of Tungela at the moment. Should I offload Tungela due to the drop in coal price? 
bit of a con. So obviously with, with any commodity stock, you've got to look at the underlying commodities that actually drive a share price. You know, when you start looking at any single stock commodity play, there's a lot of risk associated with that. And it was obviously the sort of perfect scenario that played out with the Russia-Ukraine invasion, coal prices going through the roof, Tungela made bucket loads of money. They delivered it, de- delivered that back to shareholders in the way of dividends. Coal prices come off a lot from its highs. And if I just look at the coal price relative to where Tungela is at the moment, Tungela's actually held up quite ro- well relative to what the coal price has done. The big question is, is the market or the share price Tungela pricing in higher coal prices looking forward the next three months? Um, that's what the market's indicating. So, uh, just given the big, big sharp sell-off that we've seen in the coal price, I would anticipate a little bit of a relief rally in coal. Um, you know, we've still got to kind of work our th- way through this sort of cold uh, northern hemisphere winter at the moment. So, you know, the need for coal I- is probably still going to be there. Um, and you've also, we're also sitting on the backdrop of a bit of a China reopening. So. I do want to see, or, or I'd like to think that we'd see a little bit of a higher coal price. I think Tungela's also made some decent profits, even through the course of the last six months. They're due to report in the next couple of months or three months. And I think shareholders can still look forward to some decent dividends. So probably sitting on a very attractive yield, even at 225 rand a share. So I would like to think that there's a little bit a little bit left in the lemon to squeeze here, where you could get a little, little bit more of a bounce, collect the div. But you don't want to be be hanging around in there for too long. It's probably going to trade in a band for some time between this level up towards sort of 280 and kind of sit there and, and plateau at this level for a while. Mm. I mean, Nick, we were talking about, actually, we were talking about Tungel in the, in the mm. light of, of dividend stripping. So if you're, okay, but if you're worried about the coal price coming down and maybe you're underwater on your entry point into a share like Tungela, do you actually just have to grit your teeth, sit it out, and wait for the dividend to be paid to you? Because now, of course, you'll be entitled to the dividend, yeah. which is expected to be quite chunky. It's going to be chunky. And and is that going to compensate you, or is it? Are you going to be kind of square where you are with the price now, given that the stock is likely to fall by the dividend um, after the dividend is paid? Yeah, I, th- I think I think those who pay big chunky dividends, like these commodities have done, like Tugela has done. Um, you could probably want to sit around. You've held it this long. Get that get that dividend coming in. But just just to make a point that these commodity shares, and I happen to co- I like commodity shares. But out of all the shares that are available as asset classes, I think I, I feel they should be more tradable instruments. Like you should actually be more active in them. You know, they they very much link to the underlying price. There's so many variables. Uh, what happens? I mean, Derek touched on on the you know the cold weather in in, in Europe. All of a sudden, they have a hot spell. All of a, if the if the war in Ukraine gets resolved, and I have no idea if it is or not, but if that gets resolved overnight, I mean, the, you know, the coal price is going to drop 20, 30 percent very quickly. So there's so many variables to deal with with commodity shares. So I would say to the viewer, uh, stick around, wait for that divvy. But these shares, typically, I think you need to, to really sort of trade the ranges, be more active than, than normal traditional shares. That's my two cents worth. And also, I mean, uh, something to consider, which. <laughs> Uh, we tend to look at low PE shares and mm. think, oh, this share is cheap. Uh, you know, let me just buy it. But um, someone like John Bicard will say mm. that when a commodity share is trading on a very low PE, that's exactly the time you want to sell it. It's yeah. so when it's trading on a yeah. higher PE, that is actually when you want to buy it. So, so you have to kind of readjust yeah. your thinking. Very much with so. With regards to commodity shares. Very share. much so. And, and commodity shares are very cyclical by their nature. So the, the, the PEs will, will swift with, with the themes. So they are very much so.
Derek, are there any commodity shares that you do like at this point? Um, and and uh, as Nick says, you've got to be very active in them. I mean, the classic example, I suppose, uh, was Kumba, uh, you know, um, going down all, to, all the way to a low of 30. That was obviously the point at which you bought it. We should have bought it. And then you would have got sort of made your money back in dividends a few times over a couple of years down the line. Um, mm. Anything that takes your fancy? So I think we need to sort of, again, go back to China and be sort of understand there's a reopening that's happening there at the moment. I think stockpiles on a lot of those commodities are low at the moment. So you probably find there's going to be a bit of restocking as they start to demand more of our commodities. We've had a massive rally. If you just look at Anglos and Billitons, even Glencore for that matter, they've really done well over the last six months. Um, and that's obviously your sort of diversified basket of commodities. I'm taking a little bit of profit and just kind of being a little bit careful. I'm not selling all of them, but I am certainly taking a little bit of profit at these levels, particularly in those diversified miners. Mm. Um, a small stock that I'm keeping an eye on, and it's just really keeping a very close eye on these chrome prices, is actually Marafi. Um, yeah, I guess a similar type company profile to Tungela. It's always going to trade on a low PE, so don't expect any excitement. Mm. But certainly sitting cash flush at the moment, lots of cash on the balance sheet. Chrome prices are picking up, uh, you know, in a good way, sort of following that iron ore price as we speak at the moment. And obviously that chrome price gets announced quarterly from a Marafi perspective. So I've been buying a few Marafis. I'm in it to kind of strip the dividend out of it, but I do anticipate some slightly higher levels from 130, hopefully towards that kind of 170 marks. So that looks interesting to me, yeah. okay. but a lot of the easy money being made in the commodity space at this point. Mm. Um, and then just a, a, a last question before we get to your stock picks. Um, uh, and, and this has been picked up by a few participants. Naspas CFO Basil Gordas sold 92 million rands worth of Naspas shares today in the middle of the company participating in a very large share buyback pro program. Is this something to be concerned about? Nick, um, what are the ethics of something like that? Sure. Goodness me. I've got to be very careful. I say if my compliance officer is watching. <laughs> Uh, my own personal view, I, I, it doesn't exactly sit well with me, uh, but it's, it's nothing new. It's been going on for a long time. Uh, it's not the first time that the, the NASPAS management have sold shares during a buyback. Uh, look, there, there will, a, lot of the, a lot of the cases I, is because they do restructure their own finances. They get an open period. They've had, they've had uh, uh, you know, option awards, and they, they, they need to sort of lighten up if they've got a lot. But uh, my own personal view, and I say this is full disclosure, <laughs> If our compliance watchers watching, uh, officers watching, um, I don't think it sits very well, quite frankly, uh, especially insiders selling shares when they're buying shares back. Yeah, that's, that's my personal view. Derek, um, just, um, if, if you, if one, uh, yeah, your thoughts very quickly before you get to your stock pick. I mean, the, I think the shares were awarded in 2013. They were what 600 rand, and the only reason the share price has gone up is because of this extraordinary buyback program. So you kind of think, are the directors just taking the piss here, yeah. really? No, no, I, I think it certainly helped. But look, let's not kid ourselves. Ten cent bottomed at 200 Hong Kong dollars today. It's sitting at plus minus around 410 dollars. You know, the, the share price has doubled, and that's followed through in us with some process. As Nick says, you've, you know, as directors, you get this very small window of opportunity to diversify your overall wealth. Um, you know, this is a massive, massive value trader on any given trading day. So, you know, it obviously doesn't sit well, doesn't read well, but you know. People got to diversify. They've got to reweight their overall individual portfolios. Doubling in share price, it's not a bad time to do it.
No, especially especially the asset over which you have absolutely no control and it's a passive share. Anyway, I'm getting to your stock picks this evening. Derek, sticking with you, I know you um, you mentioned Marafi, but uh, your formal stock pick, uh, if you like, is Adobe. Yeah, so I'm going with Adobe tonight. Um, we've started to see a little bit of a turnaround in the, the sort of uh, US market. So as I said, I think China is kind of leading our, 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 the way out of this sort of recessionary market environment. And we've just started to see a bit of a bounce in the U.S. market through the course of this month. A lot of it's happened in, in a lot of the growth shares. Mm. I'm being a little bit more defensive, choosing a company like Adobe, where uh, a lot of the revenue that gets generated in Adobe is, is very much annuity based. And yeah. they've got a little bit of a tech element to it. So I think just given the sell off, how much it sold off through the course of last year, it's a nice, safe way to play the market. Um, it has bounced a little bit off its lows through the course of the last three weeks. Yep. But I do like that annuity element of Adobe um, and happy to buy it at these levels. Okay, great. Um, and Nick, yours is Aspen. Yours. Boring. Well, oh. boring. It's just sticking more local. But it's uh, yeah, just a little bit more defensive. The stock hasn't really done a huge amount. It's been trickling along around 130. Got lows, I think, early mid-120s. It's back around the 150 levels, briefly below. There we go, 148.50 close today. Uh, earnings are out in March, uh, sitting on single-digit PEs. Their debt has come down significantly over, t- over the last couple of years, which was a concern, not a concern anymore. And I guess also leading into, into the earlier part of our conversation, you know, markets may be getting a little bit sort of risk-off. This is quite a nice defensive play. So those uh, those who don't own it yet, I think it's probably closer to a 175, 180 Rand share. So yeah. it's all a little bit of upside. And if I looked at on the, the total analyst recommendations, it's round about 185 as the average target price. So there's a, there's a good sort of 40, 40 odd Rand upside. Okay, great. We'll have to leave it there. Nick, thanks very much for joining us in studio. Uh, Nick Kunzer from, is from Sunlam Private Wealth. Derek Gunzer from Rensburg is from Anchor. And Zanati is back with Stockwatch tomorrow night. Have a good evening. Thank <laughs> you.